I'm not Keith. I'm Jeff. I'm preaching today. It's fantastic. Um, and don't worry, those of you who were here last time, uh, I preached. <laughs> I, I read six chapters um, of Scripture nonstop. It took about 15 minutes. I'm not reading six chapters today, although if God led me to, I would have, but we're going to uh, be talking about something different today. Today's title is Truth Shines Brighter, and you're going to, I think, come to a better understanding of that in a moment, but I want to read another psalm for you guys um, this morning, and it starts off in Psalm 139. If you want to turn there, we'll be reading verses 1 through 12, and it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold, hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And so this morning, I want you to understand this, that, that even in the dark, the truth shines brighter. I'm going to say that over and over this morning. I want you to understand that there is nowhere that you can go, no place that you can run to, no place that you think that you're getting away from God. You can't do it. Now, we can hide from each other. I mean, we can go play hide and seek all day we want, and somebody's going to hide uh, underneath the baptistry in there, the best hiding spot in the church, and nobody's going to find them. But... When we're trying to hide from God, it's impossible. He knows our thoughts. He knows our ways. It doesn't matter how far we go. He's always going to be there. And even when we think we're in a dark place in our life, we can't get away from the truth of God and who He is. Because the truth um, always shines brighter, and even in the dark. And um, as, we were, as we were talking, uh, and, I, and I read Psalm 103, we are talking about the things that we're thankful for. There's 10,000 reasons upon reasons upon reasons to be thankful for God. And... Um, and part of where this sermon is coming from today um, is from uh, where I came through this year. 2013 has been by far the standout year of my life. Um, on January 23rd, um, I, was, uh, I was put in the hospital with something called transverse myelitis. I know you're all like, oh, well, everybody gets transverse myelitis. Probably never heard of it. My doctors, nurses, some of them might have heard of it. None of them had ever treated it. Um, but basically what it was, it was inflammation of the spinal cord and um, it left me um, paralyzed, if you will, from, from the waist down um, for five days. I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't move my legs or my toes or anything like that. And um, to be honest, it would, if there was ever a dark moment in my life, that would have been the darkest moment. To not know um, what's going to come next. They say a third of the people that get transverse myelitis never recover. And they're in a wheelchair and they're paralyzed for the rest of their life. Um, a third of people make a partial recovery, and a third of people uh, make a full recovery. Luckily, I'm on my way. I still don't know which two-thirds I'm in there, but 
Um, obviously, I'm walking around, and this morning, I, it was great. I, I got to go run two miles, something that I love to do. I've been able to start getting back into exercising a little bit, and, and I'm so, so thankful for that. But it could have been one of, the, one of the darkest moments in my life. However, for me and who I am and who, uh, who God has uh, taught me to be is that um, I'm not one that, that believes in letting the circumstances of life determine who I am and affect who I am through Christ Jesus because I know what Christ has done for me and I know that no matter what that even in the dark the truth shines brighter and that's where I kind of got the title for today was when I was in the hospital a pastor friend of mine um, he came to me and he was like Jeff you know a a guy uh, told me this a long time ago that that even in the darkness that truth shines brighter and even that sometimes in the darkest moments of life that's when God's light and God's truth comes in and shines brightest um, in our lives so, um, you know, I, I'm so thankful for uh, all the, the, the thoughts and prayers that you guys um, just, just surrounded me and, and, and prayed me up. And, and I'm so thankful for what, um, uh, what you mean to me and in, in, in the prayers that you, you prayed. But one of the, one of the, one of the neat things in, in each of these points this morning that I'm going to talk about kind of has come maybe through kind of a process since January of, of where God's been leading me. And right, right when I got out, um, I hadn't seen my sister. She lives in South Carolina, in Greenville, South Carolina, a great town. Um, I hadn't seen her since Christmas, and so I was in the hospital. Obviously, she was kind of worried about me. One of the things we like to do is we'll meet up halfway. Right halfway point is in Atlanta. And one of the things we love to do is go to Passion City Church in Atlanta. They have an afternoon service on Sundays. And so we like to go, and we'll meet there, and we'll worship together and have dinner. And it's a great time. And when I went... Um, uh, Louis uh, Giglio was talking, he was preaching on the Lord's Prayer, and, and, and one of the things that stood out to me was, um, really goes along with this today, and that was um, that bef- before he, he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, here's how I want you to pray, and he, and he explains that he doesn't want us just to pray and throw all these things out um, to God and, 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 you know, just say all these crazy things, but he wants us to pray like this, and he said uh, he wants us to pray the Lord's Prayer because God already knows our thoughts. He already knows our ways. He already knows what we need. He already knows our hurt. He already knows our pain. He already knows the darkness that we're in. He already knows the joy that we're in. He knows all those things. So when we pray to God, we can, we can therefore come through like this song in the Psalms say, to bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that, that is within me, bless, bless His name and worship Him with all that we have. And so it was, it was through these, these moments in my life that I began um, then to see the truth um, of who God was, and, and as I was even lying in the hospital, um, this truth gave me gave me rest. When I was, you know, alone in a cold, um, dark hospital room, it can get depressing, it can get boring. Um, but but I held on to the truth of the gospel, of the hope of Jesus Christ. That there's no trouble, there's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no disagreement, there's no doubt or anything that's going to separate me from Christ. And I believe that as Christians, that's, um, that's how we are to live our lives, to not let anything, not let any darkness come in and bring us down because we have Christ. And so the, the first point I want, to, I want to make today, and we're going to go through three points, um, and, and the first one is this, it's God can't sleep. And uh, I know you're wondering, like, well, that sounds kind of weird and kind of funny. Blake really doesn't like it, and he's giving me a thumbs down. He doesn't like the word can't. Um, you can discuss that with him later. But uh, God Can't Sleep, the, a couple of these, uh, these points are from titles of some books that I've been reading lately. And this one's from a guy named Palmer Chinchin. And I think you'll understand the kind of the metaphor around this God Can't Sleep in a minute. And, and he writes in his book, he says, I'm convinced that God does his best work on a dark canvas. And he says, I say that because that's the picture painted in the opening pages of the Bible. 
God looked out on a vast darkness of the universe and splashed it with light and color and everything beautiful. Then he picked up earth and he hung it on the neck of the cosmos like a blue sapphire and diamond pendant displayed on black silk behind locked glass. Some call it the pale blue dot and others the jewel of the universe. I like what he says here. He says, but what makes the world most stunning of all is life, is your life. You see, you are the miracle in the dark sky. And then he tells a story. He says, while in college in Southern California, my twin brother and I um, went and spent a weekend on the south uh, beaches of Tijuana and uh, had a bunch of other college guys with us. He says, on our way back, we stopped in Tijuana to buy a few things that every college student brings back from Mexico. Obviously, I don't think any of us probably went to Mexico when we were in college because it's kind of far away. But here's what they bought. They bought a switchblade combs. They bought cherry bombs, ponchos. You can imagine other things they bought. And then he says, we bought a velvet painting of Jennifer Beals. And he says, Paul, his brother, bought her to hang in our dorm room. She was stunning. There was something about the soft, shimmering black fabric behind her that made her even more ravishing than she already was. I love this. this is kind of, kind of a, a fun metaphor here. But he says, I wonder if life is a bit like that. When the world hurts us, fails us, and paints life black, we hate it. And sometimes we get lost swimming in the sea of darkness. But maybe that darkness is only meant to be a backdrop that makes the portrait of your life more astonishing and more ravishing. And when you stop to think about it, it seems like all things beautiful were once dark. The heavens were a deep black when God began to paint the skies. The day uh, Jesus was crucified was dark as night, a striking contrast to the rising from the dead um, three days later on a bright Sunday morning. And the human heart is a dark cavern until the light of Christ transforms the soul. As he later goes on to say, uh, Christians often act as though we can live in such a way that the darkness won't touch us. But the world God put us in just doesn't work that way. Life hurts. Pain is real. And suffering surrounds us. In just a moment, we're going to watch a video, and we're going to watch Palmer talk about some of these truths in himself. But I want that just to sink in and think about that truth, that, that even in the dark, the truth shines brighter, and that life hurts, that pain is real, and suffering surrounds us. So let's watch this video. Just after the tragic earthquake in Port-au-Prince, I traveled to Haiti with a team of doctors and nurses. For a week, they cared for boys and girls in a clinic, all with amputations. At the end of the week, John, my lead doctor, he turned to me and he said, Palmer, he said, why does God allow earthquakes? It's in moments like that when, as Christians, we tend to give really cheap answers. And we say things like, God will never give you more than you can handle. But that's not even in the Bible. Sometimes we have a lot more than we can handle. If you're a nine-year-old Haitian boy and your leg has just been amputated, then you've been given much more than you can handle. We tend to try to make excuses for God because we're afraid that people might think God is asleep. And I want to tell you right now that you have a God that can't sleep. 
I say God can't sleep because when his son Jesus was here, he was for the poor. He was for the oppressed. He was for the hungry. Jesus was bothered by what was not right in this world. I was bothered recently when I was doing a radio interview with a station out of Ohio when a person called in and they said, Palmer, I have to disagree with you. They said, I don't think people have to leave Ohio to help heal a broken world. He said, we have enough problems of our own right here. And I said, really? I said, in Ohio, do babies die every 30 seconds from malaria? Because that's what's happening in Africa. I said, in, in Ohio, are six-year-old girls being sold for sex? Because that's what's happening in Thailand. I said, in Ohio, when mothers run out of flour, do they start making cookies out of mud? Because that's what mothers in Haiti are doing. They say, at least it takes the hunger pangs away. I hope you get this, that this world may be a broken place, but it doesn't have to be that way. Because God wants to use your one and your very important life to change that. I'm having trouble sleeping at night. I was in Haiti last week, and I was driving through Port-au-Prince with my team. When I looked out the window, and I saw what I thought was a fight. But as we got closer, I realized it was a man with a branch beating a woman. And so I grabbed the shoulder of my driver and I said, Arrette, Arrette, stop, stop. And he slowed down and just when I was about to get out of the car, he hit the gas and he just kept going. That night I laid in bed and I, I couldn't sleep. And I want you to know that life is like that. When you see something in this world that is really messed up, you have to do something now that, that glimpse out the window, it passes so quickly. Don't let it pass. Don't sleep. That video gets me every time I watch it when I think about how many opportunities in my life I've seen come before me. When I knew God had a plan for me and He, he was calling me to do something and I just wasn't obedient. And, uh, and so I, I want to ask us this morning, you know, that God puts these opportunities in our lives. There's so much darkness around us. I mean, how, how is the world of darkness ever going to see the light if we, as the body of Christ, as the light of Christ, aren't being obedient to the things He's called us to do? So when I say God can't sleep, I'm saying we need to understand that there's a lot of work that, that is to be done in our world. There's a lot of work that needs to be done here in Montgomery. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in Mexico. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in Africa, in Haiti, all, all around the world. Everywhere we go, there's darkness, and there's people who need Christ in their lives. And there's 
there's no way they're ever going to hear that if we're not being the hands and feet and obedient, being obedient to the things that God has given us. And so I say we, we, we have no place to complain about the troubles that life brings us because we have Christ. The world that's in darkness doesn't have Christ. And they're going nowhere. But, but what could we ever ask for more in life than a relationship with the creator of the universe? Yet I, I think sometimes we try to attain a more favor of man than we do the favor of God. And, and I think of uh, last week it was we were celebrating the July 4th. I'm so thankful for our freedom um, here in this country and, and the lives that people, um, that they've laid down so that we could have this freedom in our country. But I feel sometimes as the, the American church, sometimes I feel like we've lost our sense of freedom, that our freedom from Christ and that we have there, the freedom that we have to be able to share Christ and how the freedom that we have in Christ is the real freedom that this world needs to be set free from the bondage and the, and the chains of sin. And so, uh, you know, how is the world ever going to know if we're not telling them? God, uh, and Jesus made it pretty simple in, in Matthew 20, 22, 37 through 40. He said, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second one's just like it. I'm sure you know it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he said to do this. He said, love God, love me, and love other people. And that's what he's called us to do. And so when we're free and we have this freedom to share, I just, I just feel that sometimes as the American church, we're, we're kind of getting, um, getting lazy. And, and I think the, the question this morning is, what is God asking of us? And the answer is always, he's asking for all. He's asking for everything we have. It's not just that we can say, well, you know, I gave a little money to the church. Oh, hey, I, I showed up and helped them clean up the church one day. Or I, I helped teach a Bible study one time. I mean, all those things are great. But it's not just one thing that God's asking for. He's asking for all. I love uh, what, what Blake says. He, he can't stand it when we sing this song, White Flag. Um, and if you've ever talked to Blake, he makes that very evident. In fact, our house just down the road has a flagpole in it. And so the first day we moved in, he went and found just a big white sheet and hung it in the yard in protest of the song White Flag. Because in the song we sing, we raise our white flag. We surrender all to you, all to you. And it really bugs him, and I think he's right on that, you know, are, are we really surrendering all that we have to God, or are we lying, you know? And, 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 and I'm not the, the one this morning to be here and, and judge. We're not going to lay everyone's, you know, here's what you've surrendered. You've surrendered all you haven't. I'm not the one to judge that, and, and that's between you and God. But this morning, I would, I would beg of you to examine your life against the Scriptures and what, you know, what truth you know God is. Uh, placed in your life and ask yourself, am I being completely obedient? Am I being completely selfless? Am I really loving God and loving others more than I love myself? James 3, 13 through 18 um, talks about this and, and talks about our selfish ways and our selfish ambition. It says, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
I think ultimately that's what God is calling us to be. He's calling us to be people who are pure, people who are peacemakers, people who love one another more than we love ourselves. And we're laying aside everything. We're laying it all down to serve Christ. And, and, and as, as he was talking about, Palmer was talking about in that video, he was talking about the different things that really bother him in this world. And I'm sure for you, different things might bother you about this world and the darkness of this world. And uh, I, I would ask this morning, that, that you don't just look at the problems of this world, but you would look at the opportunities. I'm stealing this from Blake again. If that you would look at problems as opportunities for God to give you a solution to the problem instead of us you know, always complaining about the things of this world, but rather getting involved in what God is doing and helping to be a solution for those problems. And I believe God is going to give us um, what we need to lay down our selfish ambition and join Him in the work that He's doing. And so I know some of you are probably like, well, that, that sounds great, Jeff. I want to be a part, but, you know, I'm a nobody. I, you know, I can't get up there and preach. And, um, and I would say, you know, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. And the, the truth is, and I've said this before in my sermons, is, is we, we can't. You know, we, we have nothing great in us. The only things great in us are the things that God's given us and he blessed us with. And so the question would be, you know, who am I to do these things? And the second point is this, it's the truth um, the truth that I am not, but I know I am. And I, I took this, this point from a, a book called I Am Not, But I Know I Am by Louis Giglio. And in this book, he's, he's talking about the entire time that, you know, we're, we're epically, we're, we're nobody. We're absolutely nobody. And we're I am not, but we can know I am. We can know the I am that I am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. We can know I am, and we can have him to live in us. And um, I wanted to read you guys... Um, a part of his book, he says, uh, Sure, just a glimpse of his glory instantly resizes us to microscopic proportions. But God is not just trying to deflate us with a Milky Way-sized put-down that erodes any sense of self and reduces us to a pointless existence. Just the opposite. When we see just how tiny we are, our self-worth and our God-worth become one and the same as we are stunned with the reality that we have been made in His very likeness and invited to know Him personally. He says here, I am not, but He knows my name. I am not, but He has pursued me in His love. I am not, but I have been purchased and redeemed. I am not, but I have been invited into the story, into His story. I am not, but I know the Creator of the universe. I am not, but I know I am. And he says, let the, the wonder of those words sink in. I am not, but I know I am. And he says, that's the complete story, the entire gospel, the whole truth about who you are. You are small, but you can be on a first name basis with I am. You're beyond tiny, but every ounce of you has been bought and redeemed by God's Son. I love this part. He says, you are a galactic nobody. And then he uses this fact. He says, in fact, 99.999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
So what more could we possibly achieve on earth that is greater than what we already have? We are already friends of God. What greater prize or position could we hope to gain? What praise of men could eclipse the voice of I am speaking to us by name? He says, one of the joys of knowing our new name, of celebrating that I am not, is that it allows you and me to bypass the all-too-familiar trap of thinking more highly of ourselves because of what we have accomplished or who we know. I am not, but I know I am. We can know the creator of the universe. So when we're talking about this this God-sized task of loving God and loving others, and there's so many things in this, this world, there's so much darkness in this world that we need to be sharing the light to, we need to be sharing the truth um, to. When, when we think about this great task, we can know that it's not us, it's not up to us, but it's, it's God living in us. We know I am, we're his friend, and he dwells in us. Uh, he, he, uh, Jesus talks about this in John 14, 1 through 6. He says, and I love this part, do not let your hearts be troubled because it could be overwhelming. But he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, um, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And I love Thomas. He's like, huh? How can we know? He says, Lord, how do, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So through Jesus, we can know I am the Father, the King of kings, the Lord of of lords the creator of the universe and we can have his spirit living in us so that we might be able to live out this god-sized task that he's calling us to whatever that might be so the truth is even in the dark truth shines brighter i said you know god can't sleep there's this great task and then uh, i'm not I, i'm not anybody i am not but i know I am. And the, and the last point is this. The truth is we are family. And I think this is a great part where we really miss the call that God's placed on in our lives. And um, so I want to read to you guys a, um, one last quote. This is from a book um, named uh, Called to Worship by one of my uh, professors from seminary, Vernon Whaley. He was the dean of the School of Worship at Liberty University. And he's talking about creation. And I, I love... Um, how he phrases us. He says, Consider the sequence of this sovereign chain of actions in Genesis 1. God said, God made, and God named. God saw, and he blessed. So God said, Let there be light. Let there be sky. Let there be lights in the sky. Let there be plants. Let there be fish in the sea and birds in the air. Let there be animals. And finally, let there be humans. And it happened. Then God made He made the air and placed water both above and below it. He made the sun for day, the moon for night, and the stars to twinkle before children's wondering uh, wondering eyes. He made every bird and its distinct song, all animals, large and small, commanded each to produce uh, more just like itself. So God said and God made, and then God named. And he says this, I love this. He says, have you ever noticed how often we look 
uh, to see where our clothing, our cars, our furniture, and other consumer goods are made. He says that's because we place great value on where, um, where and how these products are manufactured. He says some garments proudly dis- display made in China or made in America, and certain automobiles say made in Japan or made in Germany, and those evidence good craftsmanship. He says, furniture labels declaring made in Amish country imply quality manufacturing. He said, we label our merchandise to reveal its superior workmanship and to indicate its value. So when our creator stamped made by God on his creation, he promised matchless workmanship and he placed great value on what he created. He labeled his works with his own hand, and he guarantees his work with a warranty that outlasts the ages. You see, we are all created by God. And through Christ Jesus, we are all a part of God's family. We are made by God. How awesome does that sound? We've got a stamp on us that we are made by God. But it's not just me, and it's not just you. It's what God said the second greatest commandment is, to love each other as yourself. Each person in here has that stamp on them made by God. And each person in here has a great purpose. And they have their own personality. They have their own smile. They have their own laughter. They have um, their own smell, some people. And, I don't know, that's pretty funny. Um, I had to throw one joke in the whole time. But we're all part of this family together. And so we're all individual. But I think sometimes, you know, we look at these differences and we're like, well, I don't, I don't associate well, those people, I, I, can't, I can't be a part of them. I, I, you know, I'm going to go, go away from them. Sometimes we even we'll have these great disagreements and arguments. And, and as, the, as the body of Christ, that's, I mean, that is not what God has called us to do. You see, he's made us part of a family together. We're all made by the same creator. And we're all made in the likeness of God. And uh, so Genesis 1, 26 through 28, this is what he said. He said, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image. In our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground, and so that they might fight and quarrel, and that they would beat each other up. Oh, wait, that's not in there. Um, he said, No. He said, God created him in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So if God's seeing each and every one of us and all of creation, he's saying, this is very good, where do we step in line to say, well, that's not very good? You know, Brandon over here, what's with that haircut, man? I'm sorry, Brandon. I had to... It's all right, Brandon rolled my sleeves up this morning to make me look really cool and hipster, so I appreciate that. But where do, where do we come in line um, to, 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 to cut each other down? We're all part of the family of God together. And, and so my point this morning is that God can't sleep, and there's this great God-sized task that He's calling us to, and how are we going to be able to do that? You know, we, we say... I can't do it, and we can't. I'm not, but we can know I am. But then we still can't do it by ourselves. We need each other because we're a family. We're the body of Christ. So what I wanted to do is I want to take a moment. Everyone stand up. I know some of you are probably asleep. If they don't stand up, they're asleep. Tap on the shoulder. And what I want everyone to do is we already had a welcome time, but maybe you weren't here yet. So I want everyone to let's show some love in this room this morning as the body of Christ and turn and give somebody a hug.
All right, that's fantastic. We can continue, we continue the love fest after church, and everyone can stay around and talk for a while. But I wanted us to just get an example. Y'all can sit back down. Um, an example of who we're to be as Christ. We're, we're to love each other. We're to come along, uh, alongside each other and realize that some of us might be in that dark place. Some of us might be going through, through hurt. Some of us might be going through pain. And some of us, some of us might be in a, in a great moment in our life, but we need to be realizing that, and we need to bring the truth to each other. We need to be building each other up because there's this greater task out there outside of you and me getting to know each other that there's a lost world and a dark world. And even in the dark, the truth shines brighter, and God wants us to shine um, His truth to the world. You see, John 1, uh, 1 through 5, I love this passage. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So even in the darkness, the truth shines brighter. God's, God's light is always going to shine. And so I'm going to ask uh, the, the band to come back up. And this morning, I, I'm not sure exactly where you're at in your life, but the, the last blank in your worship, God, if you look, it says, uh, even in my blank, the truth shines brighter. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but it, maybe you need to feel in that, even in my hurt, even in my pain, even in my suffering, even in my joy, the truth is always going to shine brighter. No matter, no matter what we put in that place, God's truth is always going to find us out, and it's always going to declare His truth in our life. So don't let the world uh, bring you down. Don't let the darkness of this world bring you down, but always stay encouraged that God is not going to leave us. We've, we've built our foundation upon Him. He's our solid rock. And so this morning, uh, they're going to sing a couple songs, but I want to invite you, this altar is open. This morning, maybe you need to lay down everything. Maybe you, need to, um, maybe you need to find someone that you've had a disagreement with, and you need to say, you know, we are the family of Christ, and we need to, we need to make amends uh, for what's happened in our lives. Or maybe um, there's going to be people on either side of the room. Maybe you just need to go talk to somebody and pray. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, whatever you are in, even in my blank, the truth shines brighter. So move in the way that you need to move. Sing if you need to sing. Lift your hands if you need to lift your hands. Bow if you need to bow. But be obedient to what God is calling um, you to do this morning. So let's pray and then we will, we will move and we will worship. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that your truth, Lord, the truth of your word would shine bright in our lives this morning, Lord. That even in no matter what we brought in this morning, Lord, whatever hurt or pain, Lord, that we would still be able to declare that you are good, Lord, that you are our solid rock, Lord. You are the one that we place all of our hope and all of our trust in, Lord, and there's nothing in this world, no one that's going to take that from us, Lord, that you've cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, Lord, and you've forgotten it, and you've given us a new task, um, Lord, to love you and to love other people. We know that you're working all over this world, and we want to join you together as a body of believers, Lord, to what you're doing. So just speak and continue to speak to us this day, Lord, and it's in your name.